as we step into Memorial Day, excuse me, we don't want to forget those who have given their lives for us, right? And so don't uh, take tomorrow as just an opportunity to get a hot dog and to spend time with family, but spend a few moments just remembering those whose lives have been taken, okay? And uh, as we're talking about generosity today, I can only think of that being a very generous thing, right? Giving of your time and your life to this mission, right? And this mission of our nation, and so, and a protection for our nation. And so as we continue in our Believe series today, all right, we're going to be talking about this idea of generosity, Now, it's going to kind of piggyback on what we talked about last week. So last week we talked about this idea of managing our time. And Nathan did this great job of of talking through how time may have been given to us for the glory of God. Right In the stewardship of our time, we have this opportunity then to bring glory to God in the time that we've been given. And he used this word a couple times, and the word was steward. Right? How we steward our time, and basically how we manage our time, how we keep track of our time. Now, our goal and our hope is that we steward it well, right? And we steward it for kingdom purposes. Now, time is definitely a resource. So today, as we talk about giving our resources, understand that time can be one of those resources. In fact, for some of us, it can be a very precious resource, Right? Like, we have a lot going on. Our, our weeks are full, and so time is this thing that when we need to give it, right, that can hurt a little bit. So yesterday, we had the opportunity to serve, and it took most of our Saturday, right? But here's the thing. There was, when you're there, you're not able to be somewhere else, right? But in that, it was for kingdom glory, Right? Because we were doing our food pantry. We had 150 cars, okay? Over 700 people fed. Kingdom work. Yeah, you can celebrate that, absolutely. Right? But here's the thing we gave of our time for kingdom purposes. You see how that works? Right? And so time is definitely a resource. Another resource that we have is, is our assets. Okay? I've heard it said before, if you think about the things that you have as capital, right? if you go to the bank, sometimes you have to show that you have capital. But here's the thing. Think about your resources that you have for the capital okay, of the kingdom or kingdom work. Right? The things you've been given. What can you do with that? So here's some examples. Your house can be some capital. Your car, your tools. If you have a garage full of tools, man, I have a garage full of tools. If you need tools, you let me know, okay? Your library. Like if you have a house full of good books and you've read them and you're like, man, I need to pass these along. Guess what? That's a capital. That's assets that you have that you can pass along. Resources you can pass along. Your knowledge, right? Your knowledge, is capital that you have. Your giftings that we talked about a couple weeks ago are, are resources that you have. They're resources you've been given. Now, when we talk about resources, the other thing that we often go to is money. But guess what? It's a resource, right? It is a resource that we have been given for kingdom purposes. Now, I don't know where you are this morning with your relationship with money and your relationship with money and the church, all right? So you might be sitting there already going, well, we're talking about resources, so he's going to talk about money, and this is just the same thing over and over. But I hope that this morning I can give you a clear picture of, look, this is not about money, this is about giving of the things you've been given, 
right? The giving of your resources. And so if you read through our Believe book this past week, okay, or even if you read through the scriptures, you see that Jesus talks about money almost more than anything else he talks about. And I believe this is why he talks about money more than anything else, because money can quickly become our other God, right? Like it can take the place of him in our life, and it becomes the thing that steers our direction and where we're headed. Now, there's an old pastor joke um, that so a, a particular uh, co- congregant, if you will, right, wanted to get with the pastor and just have a heart-to-heart about the way that the church was spending his money, right? And so he called up the pastor, and he said, I need to meet with you now. And the pastor's like, okay, that's great. That's great. And so he had his secretary kind of pull the financial records without knowing the numbers, right? And he looked at it. And then the guy comes into his office, and he just starts yelling at it, the pastor. Like, I can't believe you're spending it on this and spending it on this. And he let him finish. He let him blow up, right? And then he looks down at the piece of paper. And he goes, Frank, according to this sheet of paper, we're not spending any of your money. Oh, you'll get it later. <laughs> right? He's sitting there going, hey, you're spending all this money wrong, but he's not investing anything into the church and what the church is doing, right? He wants to just throw it out there. So here's the thing. Again, I don't know where you sit this morning with your relationship with money and the church, okay? But here's what I want us to see. When Jesus talks about money, here's what he says in Matthew 6, okay? He says, no one can serve two masters. Now, he's not talking about money yet. He's talking about masters of your life, Lord over your life, okay? And he says, either you will hate one and love the other, right? So you can't have two competing masters of your life. He hadn't thrown money in there yet, but then he says this. He says, either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then he throws in this line, you cannot serve both God and money. Why? Well, again, because money can quickly become your Lord, the thing that is ruling your life. Now, I want to paint a picture for you real quick this morning, okay? Because we often talk about Jesus being Savior and Lord of our life, right? And so oftentimes, we're, we're good with him being Savior of our life. I mean, yes, restoration, redemption, forgiveness, like all those things for this life and the future. Like, thank you, Lord, for being my Savior. But then when we get into the conversation, we go, wait, there's Savior and Lord. We sometimes have a hard time with that part, that he's going to be my Lord, or we say, okay, you can be Lord of these areas of my life, but I'm not sure I can quite give you these other areas of my life. But here's the thing, okay? Our key question this week was this. How do I best use my resources to serve God and others? Now look there, on the end of that, there's two parts, right? To serve God and to serve others, Okay, so we have two opportunities with our resources to serve others. But here's what I hope you saw this week, okay? Is that it is not the intention of the things that God gives us for us to take those things and to hoard them, if you will, or to hold them all for ourselves, to store them up. 
Our intention of the things that we've been given is to give them to fulfill God's purposes. You say, okay, so I've got to go home and get rid of everything. No, that's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is the things you've been given are to you to pass along, to further give. Okay? We have a vision statement here at New City that by 2020, we become an extremely generous church. Now, not that we just become a generous church, because there's a lot of generous churches out there, but we be an extremely generous church, right? Like, that's a whole nother level, if you will, okay? And so here's the thing I want you to understand is this. This is not for the sake of getting our moral check mark or our gold star, but this is because we have made Jesus Lord of our life over every part of our life, including our finances, And so in that, we're hearing him, and then we're submitting to him and doing what he's asking us to do. Well, what does he ask us to do? Well, when we search the scriptures, we find he is a generous, generous person himself, Jesus. We're trying to mimic and imitate his life and be him, ultimately. Well, what does he do? Well, he's generous with everything that he has, every resource that he was given. Now, in James 1.22, it says this, okay, just to kind of clarify what I'm trying to tell you here. James 1.22 says this, it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, okay? Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So we deceive ourselves when we just simply hear God speaking to us, but we don't do anything about it. And so, because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man looking at his face in the mirror. And for he looks at himself, goes away, and then he immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So you've deceived yourself when all we're doing is hearing the Lord. But we want to be followers of Jesus that not only hear him, but we say, yes, that's what he's asking me to do, so I then will do it. Right? I will then submit to it. Now, here's the thing this morning. I don't want you to just simply hear my words, okay? And so we're going to be using some scripture and walking through some scripture, and I'm hoping that just the Holy Spirit will speak to you. And today I want you to understand something else, that I'm not forcing you into anything, but what I'm doing is inviting you into something, inviting you into joining us, New City Church, in our mission, vision, and direction of what we desire to do. Okay? And so, here we go. Let's begin. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Proverbs for a minute, and we're going to be looking at a couple of those. Okay? Now, Proverbs, considered the book of wisdom, written by Solomon, the fellow who is considered the most wise of all times. He has an opportunity before the Lord to be given anything, and he says, I desire wisdom. And he was given He was given it. And so he writes the book of Proverbs, these ideas of wisdom. And so in Proverbs 3, verse 9, he says this. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Now you say, well, I'm not a wealthy person. Well, you know what? According to the standards of the world, you actually are a wealthy person if you're in the United States. Like you are a wealthy person. And so Solomon here is saying, look, honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of your crop. Then the barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now don't get that verse backwards because if we get it backwards, then we say, okay, we've got to fill up our barns first and then we're able to give. Now what does he say there? He says, first fruits of your crops. Honor the Lord with those first fruits. The the first thing 
you've been given. All right? And then if you flip over a couple pages, Proverbs 11. He gives us kind of an illustration here. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. And another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. And a generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Now that word unduly means excessive. So someone who excessively holds back, all right, brings themselves to richness? Nope, brings themselves to a place of poverty. Now a minute ago we talked about these two masters, right? These two masters of our life, and that we can love one, but we'll end up hating the other. So look at this context in Ecclesiastes. Whoever loves money never has enough. Those who love money never have enough. In other words, you will never be satisfied if you're looking to find your contentment in your money. So what are we to do? What are we to do with that? Well, as we're talking about this idea of giving generously, right, we are then marrying the image of Jesus and who he was. So in 2 Corinthians, just to give you a little bit more scripture before we go along here, okay? It says this in verse 10 of chapter 9. Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will provide and multiply your seed. Now, who is that? Well, that's the Lord. That's the Lord that is going to provide the seed. He's going to provide the bread, and he's going to provide and multiply your seed. And he's going to increase your harvest of righteousness. Now, don't be confused with this idea of prosperity gospel, where, okay, the more I give, then that's just going to be multiplied and come back to me. That's not what he's saying here. But what he's saying is the provision comes from the Lord. And what he has given to you, okay? So, look here, verse 11. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. You'll be enriched, right? You'll be made greater. You'll be improved upon through your generosity and what you're giving. So, what does that look like in the context of the church? What does that look like when we talk about being generous and talk about giving to the church, all right? And so this morning, I want to spend a little bit of time giving you kind of an illustration that we can begin to think through of what that looks like for us in the context of the church. In other words, honoring the Lord with our wealth, but also um, enriching ourselves in our way of generosity, all right? So we're going to begin, if you have your notes and you're wanting to keep notes, okay, just draw kind of a ladder, on your sheet of paper, okay? And so I've got my ladder here. You may have thought we had a leak or something, but this is going to be our illustration this morning, all right? And so here's where we kind of begin, all right? We start with this idea of the person who is not yet giving, okay? Not yet giving. In other words, you haven't given to the vision, mission, and direction of New City. Now, there's a couple reasons that maybe you haven't given to New City. Maybe you're new. You're still trying to figure out, okay, is this something I want to be a part of? I'm not sure I want to give yet. Or maybe you just don't feel like you have enough to give. But notice that I said not yet, right? Because when I truly, I believe that when the Lord intercepts your life, and you make him Lord of your life over your finances, and you look through the scriptures, all you see is this call to be generous. And so in that, it's a not yet. In other words, I haven't given 
yet. Now, when we talk about the context of our ladder, we're going to put that on the bottom, okay? So you're still standing on the ground, but not yet. So then there's this next level of our giver, and it's the first-time giver, all right? Now, the thing about the first-time giver is that you can only be a first-time giver one time, right? You can't be a first-time giver on multiple occasions. A first-time giver is a one-time giver, right? And so here's the thing about a a, a first-time giver. It's either you're, again, new to the process, right? So you've said, okay, I feel like the Lord's asking me to give, so yes, I'm going to give. So you become that first-time giver. Or maybe it's that one Sunday where you feel like, okay, I've got to rally up whatever's in my pockets and slide that into the bucket when it comes by. But you've now made a step, right? You're no longer in the place of not yet, but you have now moved to a place of, okay, I've given. And I'm now kind of a part of this thing, okay? So we're going to put that right there, the first time giver. Now here's our next step, okay? As we move up the ladder, we then move into this place of a consistent giver. Now what does a consistent giver do? Well, here's the honest truth. A consistent giver is consistently inconsistent. In other words, when the bucket comes by, oh, I've got to give something. And so we go through our wallet and we find it real quick and we slide it in. Or we have that storehouse mentality and go, okay, the storehouse is good, so now I'm going to give a little bit. And what happens with that is that it's a 10 or a 20 or a whatever occasionally so that I can consistently give. Now, here's the thing about that is that this is more of a reaction right an impulse give than a prayed up thought through giving offering to the lord and so with that look here it's the well i've got that mentality right and this consistency but here's the thing is that what did god call for he calls for our first fruits right our first fruits so before uncle sam Before Walmart, before Amazon, before the pizza man, where does it go? It goes to the Lord. That's what he asks of us, okay? And so the consistent giver is at least giving on a consistent basis, but it might be inconsistent. And I'm going to be honest with you this morning. Like, this is where the majority of us are. Consistent givers. Yes, but inconsistent numbers. Now, here's the thing I want, I want to be real clear on is this. I know frequency, I don't know number. Okay? Does that make sense? I know frequency, I don't know number. And I just want to be transparent with you in that. Like, frequency of our people and who they give or when they give, but I don't have a clue of the number. We protect ourselves in that way as campus pastors. And so I know frequency. And when I look at it, this is where we fall. This is where we fall. But here's the thing for many of us is that we're being a part of it, yes, but we're not fully into what God wants to do. And sometimes it even cripples us as a church to where it doesn't allow us to fully do what we need to do and what we so desire to do within our community and making an impact here in Miriam. Now, look here. We've got more, right? There's more ladder here, a whole lot more ladder right? So we have our consistent giver. Now our consistent giver moves to a percentage giver, 
percentage giver. Now, here's the thing about a percentage giver. A percentage giver has thought about it, right? Like, it's not just coming in on a Sunday morning, and this is, okay, this is what I've got in my wallet. In fact, going back to that, when I pull out my wallet, and I go, oh, cash to give. Zero, right? And I'm not going to slide my card in there, because that'd be weird. If you do, we'll give it back to you after we max it out. No, I'm totally kidding. All right? And so, here's the thing. Like, we don't carry cash. So this idea of impulse really is a struggle. So the percentage giver, I've got it upside down. The percentage giver says, okay, I'm going to give a set percentage of what the Lord has given me. I'm going to give that in return, right? I'm going to give that in return, whether that be the first Sunday of the month, the 15th, a little bit every week to where it adds up for the month, whatever that looks like for you. But here's the thing is you're saying, I will begin to be extremely generous. Like this is my first step towards it is this percentage of giving, okay? But here's the other thing that you're saying when you do that. I'm all in. I'm in to the vision, mission, and direction of New City Church. Now, here's the thing. If each of us in this room would take this step from a consistent giver to a percentage giver, it would drastically change the opportunities we have as a church. Drastically. Drastically. And so in that, here's, here's what I want to do. I want to paint you a picture for just a second, okay? New City Church Merriam in three years, five years, and ten years. All right? Are you ready? Here it is. So my first thing that I see the Lord doing is that our church will be able to plant other churches. Like, that's in our DNA. It's there deep. Like, we so desire to plant more churches, whether it be a new city church or it be another church that we're supporting, like Nathan Chang, who was here last week, right? Like, new city wants to come behind him, whether he plants a new city campus or he plants his own, we want to come behind him and support him. The next thing is this. We want to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. Absolutely. And that can be done with, without a lot of resources, thank goodness, right? Like, that's what we're doing here. But here's the other thing is this. My vision and my prayer is that we can find a place that we can permanently root into the community. Have a midweek presence, right? Have a midweek presence in a place that we, are not, we don't have to set up and tear down every week. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you're on board with that. But here's the thing. Like, we currently are not in that place. Like, if we had a building, we would not be in a great place financially, just to be honest with you. Like, the Lord is leaving us here, I believe, for this season of just growth in our finances and allowing the Lord to be Lord over those finances. He's saying, I want you to be obedient in what you're doing. And then in that, I'll bless you, right? Here's the next thing. My vision is that in the future, I'm able to step off the fundraising train, right? Like, I'm able to step off the fundraising train because right now our support is being raised, my desire is to step off of that. My desire is to pay Morgan more. My desire is to pay Kristen more because they give a whole lot of their time throughout the week. But allow them that opportunity. Here's the next thing. My vision is that we make our city better because we are in it and they know it. Right? Because we're in it and they know it. We're seeing that in our food pantry. And the cool thing about the food pantry is it doesn't cost us anything except time. But again, it's a resource that we have to spend. Right? We have to spend that resource of a Sunday morning but I can tell you this, like over the past, we've done it now three times, four times, one of those two. But we're building relationships with those people, and they're starting to say, yeah, I might come to church. Sweet. Let's do it, right? 
Like, let's do it. But when we think about this idea of our who's your one, right? We've been kind of using that language of who's your one, who are you bringing to church, who are you praying for? Like, we see in that stats that you have to talk to someone three times before they'll come to church. Guess how many times we've done the food pantry? Three times. And we're starting to see people go, wow, this church loves our city. This church loves us. It's a pretty cool thing to be a part of. My other vision is this, is that we wreck the percentage of lostness. Now, I know that's like, ah, language, right? But like, we wreck the percentage of lostness in Merriam, Mission, and Roland Park. That that be our kind of circle, if you will, that we just explode the love of Jesus on. And then we bring his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. But again, if we can make this step to becoming percentage givers, it drastically changes what we're able to do. Drastically. Now, we're not done with this percentage giver, okay? The next step, as we move up the ladder, is then the tither. You say, well, wait, you just talked about the percentage giver. The tither is 10%. Yes, because you may, not, you may be wrestling with this idea of the Lord saying, yeah, I think you need to give more. Like, you, you might be wrestling with that. So for you to give 10% would, like, blow your top at this point. But the tither, okay, is what we are ultimately asked to do from the Lord. Now, here's the thing, okay? If you were reading in your Believe book this past week, you saw that the tithe actually started as a non-religious thing, right? Like, people would bring their offerings to the king of the place that they were living. They would even bring 10% of their possessions to the king, and they would lay them down before him to declare their allegiance to him. Do you catch that? To declare their allegiance to him. But look here, how appropriate is that, that we would come before our heavenly king and lay down our allegiance before him, our king Jesus. And in doing so, we're saying, I trust that in returning this to you, you will care for me in this and bringing it back to the Lord, this opportunity to return something to the Lord. Now, at my old church in Fort Smith, I had this lady who, who we began to talk to and we were asking about uh, how much she tithes. And she was always talking about her tithe, right? And so when she did that, uh, she, came, she came in and she said, I would like to know my financial records because I don't feel like the tithe was right. And she was right. Like, her tithe was not right. In fact, she had only given $400 for the year. So if she had only given $400 for the year, what does that mean? That means one of two things. She had only made $4,000 that year, or she's not a tither. Right? But she was declaring that she was, in fact, a tither. No, a tithe is 10%. You say, well, you know, that's an Old Testament thing, right? Uh, but here's the, here's the honest truth, is that when we get into the New Testament, it doesn't move from this is the law and you follow it. It comes and turns into a heart thing that is between you and the Lord. And so when we get into that, here's what the Lord says, or what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians. He says, whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And then he throws in this part. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Well, if we're followers of Jesus and that he is Lord of our lives, Lord of our heart, then you're having that conversation with him, right? And he's asking you to be what? To be greatly 
generous. And then look at that last part that's thrown on there. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Well, where does our cheerfulness come from? Our cheerfulness comes from the heart and how we are then giving. So the Old Testament, again, was following the law and following what the law declared the people to do. But now Paul is saying, nope, this is more than that. This is a matter of the heart. And the tithe becoming this ultimately benchmark for where you could find yourself. Now, here's the thing. If we look at this, we notice that the latter is not done, right? Because we want to be a church that's extremely generous. And we want to move ourselves into this place that we say, you know what? Hey, yeah, the tithe is great. Like 10% is great. But I feel like the Lord is even asking me to do more than that. Right? And not for the sake of filling the pastor's pockets, I want to clarify, right? But so that we can have impact in the kingdom and in the community. Maybe we could be extremely generous. And so when we do that, look what happens. Excuse me, I used the word extravagant on my paper here. We become extravagantly generous. Now, from the context of a ladder, all right? There's a couple things that I want you to see. The first one is this. When we're down here on the bottom, it looks like that's a long ways up there. Right? It looks like it's a long ways up there. In fact, especially for a short white guy who wants to jump up here to 10 feet, like that's, that's dunking a goal. And I'm like, that's a long ways up there. Right? But here's the other thing about the idea of the ladder. Is that it's really hard for me to jump some steps to get to the top. I'm not going to do it because I'd break a leg, right? But if we were here and we try to jump to a percentage giver, it's going to be a hard step to take, right? And so what I'm asking you to do this morning, what I'm inviting you into this morning is find yourself on this ladder, where are you, and then take a step. Take a step. Because again, what can happen? It can extreme or drastically change where we are as a church. Take a step. Now here's the last thing, okay? When we climb the ladder, when we move up the ladder, here's what happens. When we get to the top of the ladder, our perspective changes. Does it not? Our perspective completely changes. And now, hey, I'm way up here, and that's way down there. But our perspective is completely different. Because we've done what? We've allowed the Lord to work in our lives. We've heard him, and we've done something about it. So this morning, I'm inviting you into that. Now, here's the last thing I want to share with you is this. Abby and I have not, Abby, my wife, okay, for those of you who don't know. Abby, my wife, we've had this unique opportunity where for the first part of our marriage, we weren't in ministry. Right? Like, we weren't in ministry. And so, I was doing landscaping. She was a school teacher. That's what, we were, that's what we were doing. Right? But, early in our marriage, we made this commitment that we were going to tithe. 10%. Whatever came in, it's going right back into God's work. And what He so desires to do with it. And so, with that, we've now even kind of grown our generosity over the years. But here's why I say that. I don't say that to brag. I say that to show you this. That even when we weren't in ministry, we were still tithing, right? Like it's not something that, oh, now I'm a pastor, so I'm going to tithe, right? 
Or even like some churches, I'm the pastor, so I'm not going to tithe. No, no, I'm going to tithe, right? In fact, I'm going to be extremely generous. I'm going to be extravagantly generous with what God gives me. Because this, look, number one is this. I want you to understand that it's not some grand gesture that I do just because we are the pastor, right? But it's Lord, or excuse me, Jesus being Lord of my life and Lord over my finances, That's who directs my finances and what I give. But also the second thing is this, is that I'm not asking you to do something that me and my family are not doing. Right? Like, that'd be silly for me to stand up here and go, oh, I hope that everyone would take a step, but me and my wife aren't. Teamwork, yay. No. I'm inviting you into what the Lord is doing. Now, if you got your bulletin on the way in, okay, we're going to have just a few minutes here. And on the bottom of that bulletin, there's three questions. Okay, here's the questions. Here's the questions. Here's the questions. There they are. Okay. What is God calling you to do? Right? Like, what are you hearing the Lord say? Maybe you need to jot that down. When is he calling you to do it? By. Okay? And this is for, you're not going to turn these in at the end of the class or whatever, right? Like, this is for you to reflect on. What is the Lord saying to you? What is God calling you to do? When is he calling you to do it by? And who can walk with you in it? Who can walk with you in it? But we would do the Lord a great disservice to hear what he's asking us to do and then step out the rest of the week and not make any adjustment in our life. Like, that is a great disservice to the Lord. Not to me, but to the Lord, all right? So, as Morgan comes up, we're going to play through this song, okay? And as we do, we're also going to take our offering. Now, our offering sometimes, you know, it jumps on the end, and and we we just kind of pass the bucket, and it goes, and that's great. But here's the thing. This morning, I want you to reflect, okay, before that bucket comes by you. What is the Lord asking me to do? Can I be extremely generous with the things he has given me? Right? What step do I need to take? And in that, man, what can we do as a church and what the Lord has put before us?